Father, we're so thankful, God, that we can look at the sacrifice that you made and say that it was once and for all, God, that you paid that price for us. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to earn your love, but God, you made the greatest sacrifice just because you love us, and we're so thankful for that, Lord. We're thankful for once and for all that sacrifice was made. God, we praise you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for being here with us this morning. Pray that you'd speak to us through your word. God, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Help me pass the word with this, you gardeners. Man, we're waiting for the tomatoes to come in. And it sounds like all of us are in the same spot. Lots of tomatoes, but they won't turn. They're not coming on good. So just let me know when your tomatoes, when you can bring up here a couple buckets of tomatoes and we get enough tomatoes because, you know, the all about giving away these vegetables is that uh, we've got that little tomato miracle card in there and we're wit- trying to witness with giving away tomatoes for the miracle of the seed. So when y'all's tomatoes start turning red let me know and and let's see what we can do and we'll plan out when we're going to bring all the vegetables up here and and get going i got plenty of zucchini and squash and okra but i don't know that people gonna stop for that you gotta have that tomato (laughs) gotta have that tomato y'all like made sandwiches oh buddy (laughs) you bet all right first kings chapter 19 elijah one of my favorite guys in the bible Elijah was a real guy, and we see Elijah at what was probably one of the best times of his life, and we see Elijah, which probably was one of the worst times in his life. Elijah had huge mood swings. Probably a psychiatrist might begin to try to... um, you know, diagnose what he would think Elijah struggled with. But Elijah faced some real major mood swings in his life. Now, one thing that I want you to take away from today, it's important that we learn not to live by how we feel, but by what we know. Now, right now, I don't feel real good today. I haven't felt good for years. I don't feel good. I got the sugars. I got blood pressure problems. My feet hurt. I got the chaps. My back hurts. My hair won't grow. (laughs) I got issues. You know, I, I swam yesterday, and I really pushed it, and I added time to my swimming, and got that up and stuff, and I'm here to tell you, I could barely walk out of the pool. I thought, I I could just die right here. Why don't I just die right here? And so there are days in my life that if you ask me how do I feel, you know, in order not to depress you, I'll just tell you something that you want to hear, I guess, and I guess we all do that. Now, the truth is, for all of us, if we went by how we feel, we'd perhaps would have more days that are down than days that are neutral or up. So it's really important that we learn in the Christian life not to live by how we feel. And sometimes we ask that question. Sometimes we say, how do y'all feel today? We don't need to focus on how we feel. We need to focus on what we know. Now, Elijah had just seen the Lord send down fire from heaven. 
The altar was burned up. The altar that was drenched in water was consumed with fire from heaven. He had just witnessed the defeat of the prophets of Baal, and they were destroyed. Now, you would think that after that major success, I suppose in the life of a prophet, he won the Super Bowl. He should be going to Disney World. Yet, Ahab and Jezebel had had enough, and Elijah ran for his life. So let's pick it up in chapter 19, and let's see how Elijah got here, gets here. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, 1 Kings 19, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Now, it doesn't ever say to us that Elijah was suicidal, but he was really, really close. He was close. He sits down and he prays that he would die. Lord, I've had enough, he said. Lord, I've had enough. Enough is enough and I've had enough. He said, take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Elijah was at the end. He was at the bottom of the barrel. He was broke. It says in verse 5 that he lay down and slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. So Elijah, he's had enough. He wants to die. He asked the Lord, please take my life. Too much pain, too much stress, too much burden. I've had enough. I want to go. He was relying on more about how he felt than what he knew. He was living in the world of the subjective rather than the world of being objective about his life. He had seen God work miracles. He had seen the Lord subdue all of his enemies. However, at this time, he obviously did not take into consideration that Jezebel and Ahab are no big deal to God. And he was allowing their threats, he was allowing their, their meanness, their anger, their power in the land to get the most of him. 
And he wants to die. He wants to die. If you have considered or you're considering suicide, or perhaps you have a friend that is, or you might have some suspicions that a friend or family member is considering it. It's important that you know a few things. It's important that you keep in mind these things. We all need to know that no matter how much pain we're going through right now, we're not alone. Elijah believed he was all alone. Elijah believed there was no solution. Elijah believed all was lost. He was wrong about that, but that's what he believed. Suicide can come after one event in life. The pendulum swings. Good times, fun, neutral, hard times, terrible times, difficult times, dark times, sorrow, depression, angst, anguish. And sometimes, like with Elijah, the pendulum swings and it gets stuck. Many people get stuck in grief. Many people get stuck in grief. Grief is one of the hardest things we go through in life. We lose our loved ones. Painful, hurts. It takes part of our life away from us. It just literally is like someone taking a knife and sticking it in our midsection. A huge wound is created when we lose people we love. And people go through the shock and the anger and denial, and, and they swing. And when they swing, sometimes they get stuck. And how you feel and working on how you feel doesn't unstuck you. We've got to work on what we know to get unstuck. And what we know can make a difference in how you feel but working on how you feel without being objective about how things really are and who is in charge and what is going on will not impact how you feel. Here's some things to remember. Your emotions are not fixed. They are constantly changing. How you feel today may not be the same as how you felt yesterday or how you'll feel tomorrow, or how you'll feel next week. Keep that in mind. Be objective about that. You may feel you're all alone today. You may feel there is no plan. You may feel that all is lost, but that's not true. And don't allow how you feel at a given moment cause you to take your life. It's going to change. How you feel is going to change. What you know is going to change. What you experience is going to change. And so when you find yourselves being stuck in a very dark place, you've got to know more than you feel, and you've got to know that things can change. Things can be remedied. There's hope. Always keep this in mind. This is one of those uh, controversial statements. Some psychiatrists say don't say this. Others say do. I think it's okay to say it, obviously, because I'm going to say it. 
Your absence would create grief and anguish in the lives of friends and loved ones that you can't comprehend. Now, up close hand, my family's experience suicide in our family. What it leaves behind is not a pretty picture. There's hurt beyond hurt. There's pain beyond pain. The impact it has on children in, in many ways is life-altering. And you got to understand that. Your friend that perhaps is considering taking their life has got to understand what it does to people they leave behind, and they've got to walk out of that. There's a lot of things better than taking your life. I mean, be miserable the rest of your life for the sake of your family. Be miserable the rest of your life. It's better that you're miserable, it's better that your friend is miserable the rest of their life than taking their life and allowing their loved ones to pick up the pieces and to move on and move forward. There are many things that can still be accomplished in life. There are things to see. There are things to hear. There are experiences in life that are going to just reward and bring some joy and bring some peace to life. Go to the simple things and realize we have a beautiful, wonderful world. I mean, go stand by the beach and watch the sunset. I mean, go dig a cave out in the middle of the rocky somewhere and live there for God's sakes. Live like Mountain Man Jack or somebody or uh, Jeremiah Johnson. That's better. Experience a life that's different. But realize that there's so much to see in this beautiful world. Every single night, go out and watch the sunset. Every single morning, get out and watch the sunrise. Beautiful, spectacular. One day's lot like another. Really special. Focus on people. Focus on the small things. But, but place yourself away from how you feel and place yourself in a position of being objective and, and make the most of what you have. Now, someone that's stuck in the dark side, those words usually fall on deaf ears. And so you've got to be consistent in sharing with them. There's hope. There's possibility. There's life around the, around the bend here. Hang on. Hang on. And we have to understand, and I think this is lost a lot when the pendulum swings and people get stuck on the dark side, your ability to experience pleasurable emotions is absolutely equal to your ability to experience distressing emotions. And so the pleasurable emotions can be replaced your distressing emotions. But what happens is the pendulum gets stuck in the distressing emotions is all-consuming, but your ability is to experience both of them, and there needs to be a choice made to let the pendulum swing. Verse 9, let's pick up Elijah again. But the Lord said to him, remember, he's in a cave, 40 nights away. He traveled for 40 days, 
and he's still depressed. He's still despondent. He still thinks all is lost. So he's really deep down in darkness, in despair and sorrow and fear. Elijah replied to the question of the Lord, and the question of the Lord is, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, God did not ask Elijah, Elijah, how do you feel? Lousy. That's how I feel. Horrible. You know how I feel. But, but the Lord didn't ask him how he felt. He says, what are you doing here? He asked him a very objective question. That question is very much closer to what do you know rather than how you feel. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to Elijah, verse 11, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, Elijah he's not a quick fix. It takes Elijah a while. He said, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. Now, here is Elijah saying there's no plan. There is no plan. All is lost. There's no plan, so there's no hope. We're going to lose. And so the Lord says, get up from here. And go back the way you came. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphath, from the town of Abel-Molah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So 
So this is the Lord's conversation with Elijah. Elijah did not hear these words from the Lord. You need to feel better. You need to feel like changing. You'll feel better down the road. None of those, none of those things happened. Instead, he said, get up from here, go back the way you came, and do exactly what I'm telling you to do because I have a plan. He tells him, you're not alone. You think you're all alone, but that's how you feel. That's not based on good information. The Lord said, I got 7,000 others who have not bowed down to Baal. They have not kissed Baal. You're not all alone. <laughs> Elijah, you're not alone. What are you doing down here in this cave? Why are you here, Elijah? I got a plan that's in place. I got Elisha. He's going to take your spot. I, I got 7,000 prophets that have not bowed down to Baal. I'm at work here. Sure, the people have, they have denied me. They have, they have broken the altar. They have broken the covenant with me. However, I'm not done. And the word that we all need to hear, and perhaps it's for someone here today, or it's for you, for someone else down the road, it's never, ever done. It's never over. Now, you may have to hold on to somebody for weeks, for 40 days, for 80 days. You may have to hold on to someone to help them somehow or another get to the place where they will focus on what they understand to be true more than how they feel. But, but somehow or another, you have to be used the Lord to get them to the place where how they feel is not the primary influencer in their life but what they know. Elijah heard the word of the Lord. I got a plan. All is not lost. You are not the only one left. I've got more. There is a solution. You're sitting here in this cave, Elijah, thinking like all is lost, but I have a solution. The Lord is the Lord. We're never alone. We're never alone. Many people believe the Bible says that God will not put on someone more than they can handle. That isn't true. That's not true. When Paul was describing that in Corinthians, what he's talking about is temptation. The Lord says to Paul, the Lord will not allow a temptation that is more than you can handle, he will give you a way out. Paul said, the Lord put on us more than we could handle so that we would learn to rely on the Lord with all of our heart. As we talked about just a couple weeks ago, there are no guarantees about life. None of us know for sure what's next. We don't know what kind of news we're about to hear. We just don't know. We could swing very quickly. Some are probably conditioned to swing quicker than others. 
based on how they, their environment, based on their genetics, based on how they were taught to handle crisis in life, you know? And you could swing from neutral feelings, peace, happiness, joy, perhaps you might have a raise. You could swing very quickly to a very dark place, and it could get a hold of you. You got to remember, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved by God. You are loved by family. You are loved. You are loved by friends. You are loved. You are not alone. You need to remember that. And there's absolutely nothing too big for God. Absolutely nothing. In John chapter 14, the disciples were struggling with the Lord Jesus saying he was going to leave them. I mean, they're thinking, gosh, we're in a bad place here. We've left our families. We left our business. And now he's saying he's going to leave here. We're just going to leave this. What are we going to do? How are we going to be able to survive after all this? And Jesus says to them, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that wasn't the truth, I'd tell you the truth, but I go to prepare a place for you. And when that place is prepared, I will return and I will take you to be where I am. Now, in the very first part of that teaching of Jesus to hurting hearts, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. So there's something there we need to do. What troubles the heart? In Elijah's situation is focusing on his fears, focusing on what he saw, focusing on how he felt rather than being objective about what the Lord is all about and what the Lord God can do. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. So when you find your heart being troubled, reach out there and grab it. When it starts being carried away, when it starts being consumed with worry, fear, anger, reach out there and grab a hold of the heart and, and claim the promises, believe in God, believe also in me. Elijah in that cave wasn't believing God. And he just saw the fire fall from heaven. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, Jesus says. Believe also in me, in my Father's house. There's eternity. There's life beyond this. This is not all there is. That's what we know. One event in life does not make a person's life. A series of events in life do not make a person's life. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said, in my Father's house. He says, raise your eyes. Raise your hearts. Raise your awareness. Focus on what is true, not how you feel. Not how you feel. Never Take lightly a suicide remark. 
never take it lightly. If a friend ever even hints that they may be thinking about in their life, betray the friendship for their sake. If, if they're saying, don't tell anybody, no, their life is too important. If you have a friend that you believe is suicidal, take dramatic measures. The ER room. Baylor has a real good program. They have a real good psychiatric program to help. Do not sit idly by. You're right. You may never have a friend again, but yet they may still be alive. Do never, I mean, I'll say it again. Never take it into your own hands that you don't think they're serious. Get other people to help. I agree with you. And I know you're thinking that now. You know, I know so-and-so, and they're always talking about killing themselves. I know, you know, we're, we're not taking them seriously. We just think they're just trying to get attention. Well, maybe not. And you need to be careful with that. But what we have to do to help loved ones that may struggle with what Elijah struggled with, praying they would die, not seeing hope, not seeing any light at the end of the tunnel, it can get better. There's hope. You can't leave that hurt behind. You got to focus on what you know, not how you feel. It may take a while. It may take a while here. You may be in that cave for a good while. It may take a while, but begin to see life out there. Sunrise, sunset, flowers blooming, cool breeze in the evening, a good friend every now and then laughing with, a good joke, a good story, a good experience. Begin to see objectively this wonderful world that we have. And this is not all there is. Perhaps that may be the greatest thing for a believer. This is not all there is. In my Father's house. Father, help us today to, to learn from this story in Elijah. Help us, Lord, Lord, to be objective about who you are and what you've done. Help us to focus on Help us to focus more on what we know than, Lord, how we feel. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.